Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This happened to me and my friend around 9.30 p.m. on a Saturday, if I recall. I live in an area where not much goes on and is pretty safe for the most part. Anyways, me and my friend are dumb teenagers, both male that love urban exploring. Our favorite sites to explore are tunnels. Around 7.30 p.m. one night, me and my friend were exploring some sites around the park two blocks away from our house full of small tunnels to explore. We felt a little weird because we felt as if we weren't alone. There were a couple of disc golfers, but we had just watched them leave. So at this point, the park was completely empty. My friend and I were just exiting a small tunnel to get back to the park as we were waiting for the disc golfers to leave so we could go to the next secret spot, which were train tracks that are sometimes in use. To get into the train tracks you have to go through an off path in the woods that has a few curves, so it was hard to see. 
My friend lead the way. A few seconds later I thought I had lost him so I yelled his name. Here's when things got weird. I heard what seemed almost like a distant yell or shout from the train tracks. I thought he had sped up so I jogged up ahead and eventually ran into my buddy that was just around a curvy turn. I asked him if he was okay and he replied yes like nothing had happened. A little suspicion ran through my mind so I asked him if he had yelled at me from the tracks and had come back to get me. Shockingly, he didn't. He was waiting for me just at the turn, and he also said he heard the yell. Well, my friend and I are idiots. Instead of going back, we quietly continued to the tracks. When we got up to the bridge with the train tracks, there was absolutely no one or nothing up there. Although I felt like we were being watched from the trees or something. I let my friend know about this feeling, and we quickly stopped throwing rocks into the creek and headed back to the park. I knew something was wrong as we were leaving, I just couldn't put my finger on it. We played around on the basketball court at the park before we left. Due to the creepy vibe, my friend and I decided it was best to take the main road back instead of the shortcut through the woods that led to our neighborhood. It was around 9.30 now, my friend and I were talking about what we should do all night because he was spending the night. The park has a soccer field across the street from it, so it has two gravel parking lots that are sorta of hidden by the trees. As we were walking past one of the gravel lots, I felt what seemed like a warning from my body. I passed it off as nothing, but as we crossed the street from the gravel lot, here's where things started getting really creepy. I could see someone come out of the shadows of the gravel lot. They had appeared to be wearing very dark clothing and a hoodie to cover their face. I was throwing red flags everywhere. The way that they came out of nowhere was so subtle and perfectly timed. It felt as if they were waiting for us to cross to start following us. My friend hadn't seemed to notice the strange figure. I told him to jog up ahead a little. He seemed confused, so I pulled him close to me and told him what had just happened. He seemed anxious, so we picked up the pace a little. Every once in a while I would look over my shoulder to see where he was. Every time I looked he would be at least three feet closer to us. I could hear the figure's eerie breathing. Thank God we were close to an alley shortcut that no one really uses but me and my friends. To get to it, you go up a little hill left of the street. I saw this as an opportunity. I mumbled to my friend, use the alley. He quickly nodded yes. The second we made it to the hill, we casually jogged up ahead to the alley. I told my friend to wait for a second. I peeked over to the street from the alley. And there I saw them. What appeared to be a man in his thirties was making his way towards us very quickly. I could see his eyes now. They were staring directly at me with an evil look. I told my friend to bolt up the damn alley to his house, which was connected to the alley. We had never ran so damn fast. We made it up to the street and take a sharp turn to the left. We had lost him at this point. We sprinted through his front door and locked every single entrance. We turned off all the lights and hid for what felt like an hour. Thank God he was nowhere to be seen. I have never seen this person ever again and I hope not to. When I was a kid around seven years old, my grandma would often take my sister and me swimming at the river. I can remember one incident as clear as day, and it still sends shivers down my spine. 
Grandma, always engrossed in her Facebook scrolling, rarely paid close attention to our antics. My sister and I weren't accomplished swimmers, yet we loved the water. One day, while we were splashing around, a group of older kids approached us. They dared us to venture into the deep end of the river, and despite our limited swimming abilities, we took up the challenge, driven by youthful naivety. As I was wading deeper into the river, I saw what I thought was my sister struggling in the water. But something was off. Even though my sister was smaller than me, the figure in the water seemed larger, more ominous. Despite the fear creeping into my heart, I instinctively wanted to help. But as I took a step toward her, the riverbed dropped off sharply into the deep end, and I found myself drowning. Just when I was sure I wouldn't make it, the older kids yanked me back to the shallower water, saving me from what could have been a tragic accident. Meanwhile, my grandma was blissfully unaware of the near catastrophe, her eyes still fixed on her phone screen. It's the aftermath of the incident that still haunts me. My sister had somehow reappeared, safe and unharmed, oblivious to the horrifying scene that had just transpired. But the thing that I can't shake off is the fact that the struggling figure I saw in the water was not my sister. Not only did the size not match up, but the cold, unblinking death stare that she, or rather, it gave me is still etched in my memory. And its disappearance was just as sudden and inexplicable as its appearance. There was no way my sister could have swum that fast or disappeared that quickly. So what did I see in the river that day? A trick of the light, a figment of my imagination, or something more sinister? I guess I'll never know. But one thing's for sure it wasn't my sister. Growing up, I was always drawn to the mysterious, the eerie, and the unexplainable. Cryptids, paranormal activities, and monsters that lurked in the shadows held a fascinating allure for me. Much of this curiosity was stoked by a story my father would often tell me. The tale is an important piece of my childhood and a kernel for my interest in the supernatural. My father grew up in the scenic expanses of Oregon, a place replete with lush woods and towering mountains. One day, while he was still a young boy, he accompanied his father, my grandfather, on a trek into the forest. This particular expedition left a deep impression on my father and became the subject of a story he would recount time and again. As they delved deeper into the verdant wilderness, they were suddenly assaulted by a nauseating stench. It wasn't the earthy smell of decay or the sharp tang of wild animals. This was something else, something unfamiliar and unsettling. As they continued, they heard the ominous sound of something large moving through the trees and brush ahead of them. The source of the sound was hidden from view, concealed by the dense foliage, but they could hear it moving, the crunch of branches underfoot, the rustle of leaves. Then, just as abruptly as it started, the noise ceased, replaced by the usual sounds of the forest. Driven by curiosity and perhaps a touch of fear, they decided to investigate. Upon reaching the spot, they were astounded to see branches broken off at a height that suggested a tall creature had passed through. It was as if something enormous, something taller than a man, had ambled through the woods, leaving only snapped branches and a lingering stench as evidence of its presence. Though the story might seem thin on specifics, the mystery it presented was enough to enthrall my young mind. Every time my father would recount it, 
I'd hang on to his every word, visualizing the scene and imagining what the creature could have been. Every time I looked at the sprawling forests and majestic mountains of the Pacific Northwest, I would feel a twinge of excitement. It seemed all too plausible that something could be hiding in those vast, unexplored areas. And to this day, the possibility of uncovering such hidden creatures and unraveling their mysteries continues to stoke my fascination for the unknown. A friend and I came across this amber-eyed creature on April 15, 2023, in Patterson, Texas, Waller County. It was around 11.30 p.m. when we cut through Morton Road. We backed out of that dirt road so fast and then drove south on Durkin and the left onto Royal Road, while the entire time looking over to the open field with our spotlight and the one rifle in the truck. Once we made a right onto 362 and headed south, we began feeling a bit more relaxed. We then took it all the way south to 359 and then made a left on Highway 90 and didn't stop till we made it to our friend's house. We were coming from Patterson, Texas, where one of my other friends lives. We also like to go through that patch on Morton Road during the day because it is like off-roading. We originally thought of heading to Royal High School on Royal Road but we instead decided to turn left and off-road at night when we drove past Morton Road. It is the reason why we were so chilled about coming across what we thought was a large dog till it turned around and stood on two legs and growled at us. Its growl was deep, but low, it rattled the entire truck. One of my friends told me that the only thing they remember was the sound it made while breathing which was that of a horse. My buddy's truck is lifted and usually, when I stand in front of the hood, it is around the high part of my chest, I'm 5 feet 8. But when this thing stood up, you could see most of the waist area so it had to be taller than me. I can't give an exact measurement because I just don't know. All I know is that it wasn't a bear. I've seen black bears before. The spotlight caught it and it looked like my buddy's German Shepherd with amber looking eyes. Maybe it was a big koi dog or koi wolf or a bear with mange, but it was pretty tall and wide. It happened so quick, so we put it in reverse and got the hell out of there and drove all the way to Katy without stopping anywhere. Then we barricaded ourselves in it with our R-15s and shotguns, sitting there in the middle of the dark with our backs to each other for the rest of the night. We didn't leave the house until midday on Sunday to check the dashboard camera, which had recorded over the entire incident the previous night. Our cell phones recorded nothing but jumble and my buddy's dog wouldn't come near the truck as it kept whimpering around it with its tail behind its legs. The dashboard camera recorded all the data on Sunday. We went through it and it was from when the truck was parked at our friend's house. The cell phone quality was so bad we erased it. I dropped my phone on the floor of the truck and didn't find it until Sunday afternoon. It is not something we were planning for like most of the videos you see on the web. Monday morning came around and we all call in sick because we refused to get out of the house until the sun was out. This obviously upset our parents who thought we were being irresponsible and we finally grew the courage to return to Morton Road on Monday afternoon. Our six trucks enter Morton Road off Durkin Road with high-powered semi-assault weapons, shotguns, and hunting rifles. We didn't find any tracks either, which is weird because it had rained heavily the past few days so the ground was soft and there was standing water on Morton Road. 
The only thing we found was this perverse stench like something had died mixed with metallic smell, blood, and urine ammonia. The dogs we brought with us, two German shepherds and two others, were all whimpering nervously around the site like they didn't want to be there. After the incident, I spent the rest of April just reading everything I could about dogman encounters. My other three friends don't want to talk about it either and one broke up with his girlfriend of three years because he just refused to spend the weekend hiking with her through the attic's reservoir hiking trails. They got back together after we were able to get him to open up about it. But I'm the only one that has put this out to the public. It has been a month and I still refuse to be out later than sundown. I don't leave the house early in the morning anymore to go to the gym at 5 a.m. In fact, I have changed my life around completely, and that includes no more before bed walks at night with the dog. I have installed security bars on all my first floor windows, added spotlights to my entire home, and places better security cameras. I also no longer drive through country roads even during the day, especially by myself because I feel exposed. Last week I refused to go fishing on the Brazos River and turned down heading for the weekend to Lake Conroe. I've always wanted to go fishing at the end of East Matagorda Bay, but to get there one would have to off-road on a 4x4 west from Matagorda Beach on a dirt trail for about 15 miles. Yet after this experience I no longer feel safe. I just want to go back to being ignorant about the things that go bumping about at night. In the tranquil wilderness of the Oregon Cascades, three of us embarked on a camping adventure, seeking solace amidst nature's embrace. Nestled among the deer beds near the mountain saddle, we settled in for a chilly late May night, unaware of the extraordinary events that would unfold. As the cold air kissed our faces, I succumbed to slumber, entering a realm where dreams dance with reality. In the depths of my sleep, a haunting sensation gripped me, as if an unseen force yanked me from the confines of my tent and dragged me downhill. Startled and disoriented, I awoke abruptly, my heart pounding, struggling to discern the line between the dream and the tangible world around me. Seeking solace in the certainty of time, I reached for my phone, eager to ground myself in its familiar glow. However, something else captured my attention, a flickering light moving above our camp. Assuming it to be the presence of my cousin, I dismissed the strange occurrence, allowing sleep to reclaim me once more. With the morning sun painting the landscape in golden hues, we ventured out, engaging in light-hearted banter as we trekked through the wilderness. It was then that my cousin's voice pierced the serene atmosphere, filled with a mix of bewilderment and exhaustion. He revealed that his sleep had been restless, plagued by vivid dreams of being dragged down the mountain. My curiosity peaked, I probed further, asking our other cousin if he had experienced any peculiar dreams during the night. To my astonishment, he too confessed to dreams hauntingly similar, mirroring the nightmarish ordeal of being forcefully pulled downhill. A chill ran down my spine as the pieces of this mystifying puzzle began to align. Sharing my own nocturnal encounter, I unveiled the eerie similarity between our dreams connecting the threads of an inexplicable phenomenon. This story was one that my dad told me after I told him about the experience I had. 
The story goes it was late afternoon early evening when my dad let the family dog out. The dog was outside making a strange sound, almost a growling winning sound. My father went out to see what was wrong when he seen a brownish creature leaning against the tree with one arm resting on tree. From where my dad stood he could see the side of this thing. He said it stood around seven feet tall and it had hair hanging down from this arm. The dog still making sounds my father yelled at him to come. This thing then turned and faced my father looked at him for around 10-15 seconds, then casual walked off into the woods that surrounded our home. My father said the thing was around 50-100 yards away from him. After the incident, my father went out to the tree it was leaning against and found some brownish hair. He didn't tell anyone till 95 when I called telling him I had just saw a big foot. He then told me this story. Where I seen a creature passed on the roadway was less than five miles from where my dad seen one by our home. Gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. You don't know how many times I walked home late at night from a friend's house out in the boonies with just a flashlight. I wouldn't do that again for nothing. In late 2001, as an officer patrolling near Las Vegas, New Mexico, I found myself in a mountainous rural area, surrounded by the stillness of the early morning. My partner and I sat inside our fully marked police cruiser, parked by the roadside next to a dense thicket of dark woods. Daylight was just beginning to break, allowing us to see clearly through the windows without the need for headlights. As we engaged in conversation, my partner diligently filled out paperwork, oblivious to the imminent encounter that was about to unfold. It was approximately 5 a.m., and the world was slowly waking up around us. Suddenly, our attention was drawn to movement at the edge of the bushes, where there was no discernible path or roadway. With bated breath, we watched as a massive figure emerged from the undergrowth, making its way toward us. The creature had four legs, hooves pounding the ground, but what struck us most were its long, muscular arms swinging back and forth, resembling the movements of an ape. In the short span of time it took for the headlights to circle through the windshield, the creature covered a distance of about a hundred yards. Our hearts raced as we realized the sheer size of the entity. Standing at least eight feet tall, it loomed over us. Reacting instinctively, my partner and I leapt out of the car. He reached for his firearm while I, opting for a non-confrontational approach, cautiously moved towards the creature. It seemed to recognize my lack of aggression and swiftly disappeared into the depths of the surrounding woods, moving with an uncanny agility on all fours. Driven by curiosity and a sense of duty, I ventured into the same woods, hoping to track the elusive creature. To my surprise, there was no trace of any disturbance or evidence of its past. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Passage through the dense brush. It was as if the creature had vanished into thin air. There was no sign of human tracks or any indication that someone had sprinted through that very spot. It was a baffling mystery, leaving me with more questions than answers. In my quest for understanding, I reached out to fellow officers in neighboring towns, and they shared similar reports of a wild man roaming the area. Other accounts emerged, speaking of startled horses and the discovery of large human-like footprints in their vicinity. Our department devoted significant time and resources to tracking down the elusive creature, but our efforts proved fruitless. It seemed that our encounter was a fleeting glimpse of a phenomenon that defied explanation. As the days turned into weeks, the creature remained elusive, fading into the depths of local folklore. It became a tale shared among law enforcement and the local community, an enigmatic presence lurking in the memories of those who had witnessed it. While we never laid eyes on the creature again, the encounter served as a reminder of the mysteries that lie within the vastness of our world, waiting to be unraveled. I was deep in the wilderness, backpacking with my faithful dog, miles away from civilization. It was just the two of us, surrounded by the serene beauty of nature. We had encountered no other hikers throughout the day, making the solitude even more pronounced. In the dead of night, around 2 a.m., my dog's growl startled me awake. I quickly turned on my headlamp and saw his teeth bared, his instincts on high alert. Something was amiss. I strained my ears and heard heavy footsteps approaching our tent. The possibility of a black bear or a moose crossed my mind. Taking swift action, I leashed my dog, ensuring he couldn't charge through the tent. As I did so, the footsteps receded but continued to circle around our campsite. Confusion clouded my mind. I had properly stored all food and toiletries in a bear bag, eliminating any potential attractants. I clapped my hands, hoping to deter whatever was circling us. Yet the slow, deliberate movements persisted behavior more peculiar for a human than a moose or a bear seeking food. Gathering my courage, I made a decision. Gripping the leash in one hand and clutching bear spray in the other, I stepped out of the tent, raising my voice and shouting, Hey, bear! The footsteps abruptly halted, and my dog's keen senses directed my attention to the right. However, my headlamp revealed nothing. There was no sound of a retreat, only an eerie silence. Giving it a few minutes, I cautiously returned to the tent, still on edge. But before long, the unsettling circling resumed, approximately 50 feet away from us. It continued for what felt like an hour, a constant reminder of an unseen presence lurking in the darkness. Eventually, the footsteps wandered off into the depths of the woods, disappearing with the dawn. As morning broke, I decided to investigate. Equipped with my dog and the bear spray, I began searching for tracks. Amongst the fallen leaves, I discovered a clear path that had been trampled, but no discernible footprints. My dog's nose led us further, tracing the loop around our campsite. And there, in the midst of nature's splendor, 
I came across a chilling discovery. A few unmistakable human footprints, bare and of regular size, adorned the ground. It was clear that someone, a stranger, had ventured into the remote wilderness, intruding upon our solitude and encircling my tent for over an hour. Adding to the eerie revelation, a human turd and scattered toilet paper lay as evidence of their presence, a disturbing reminder that an individual, possibly with malicious intent, had violated the sanctity of the wilderness. There's a spot in Kentucky, in the Daniel Boone National Forest, that always has and always will creep me out. My father has told me stories of him fishing around dusk with his cousin in this place. A branch of the local lake leads out this way through the hills. This one time they're out fishing and about head home when they start hearing noises coming from the surrounding forest. Keep in mind there's a dead end road here and there's only one way in and out of this canyon. There are no houses and no other roads into this place. Out from the woods people come and they don't say a word. My dad claims that they looked unwashed, clothes torn, just staring them down, like something out of deliverance. I guess my dad or his cousin flashed a pistol, and they both just backed off toward their truck and drove off. This other time I'm camping out there with a friend. This is sort of toward the end of the same road, which would be maybe five, six miles long until it hits a dead end. As we're sitting around the fire around midnight, we begin to hear forest noises. No big deal, right? Could be a deer or a raccoon or possum or something shuffling about. Then we begin to hear splashes further away in the water. It sounded like maybe a carp was splashing around, and it sounded pretty far off at that. No big deal. The shuffling gets louder from all sides and the splashing increases in volume as well as frequency until it feels like something is right on top of us. We have no idea what so we drop everything and hop in my truck and drive off. After many discussions, we have never arrived at a conclusion and we have never gone back. It was in the early hours of the morning on a particular day in the early 2000s when a middle-aged woman was found unconscious on the road in a Diwanya, Kuwait suburb. When she was taken to the hospital, she had a horrific story to tell the authorities. Apparently, she was a musician, and she had been hired to provide entertainment for a gathering in a large villa in the neighborhood she was found in. As the night went on, however, she came to realize that a number of her clients weren't entirely human. She tried to escape and evidently failed. This happened in Diwanya, Kuwait in Western Asia. In the early 2000s, stories appeared in the Kuwaiti media detailing the run and that a hapless victim had with beings that would normally be confined to the dark reaches of mythology and folklore. The musician was a middle-aged woman who plays a traditional Kuwaiti instrument. She received a call from a prospective client who wanted to hire her for her services during the month of Ramadan. Since it is inappropriate to perform music during Ramadan, the witness initially refused. But the caller insisted and tripled her usual fee, eventually persuading her to go. The caller sent their own driver to pick her up, and what began as a usual musical event suddenly took a sharp turn for the supernatural. The party started early in the evening but continued on until 12 a.m., at which point some of the attendees began to act bizarrely. 
A group of young girls at the center of the room, for example, started to dance very aggressively. They moved in such a vigorous manner that their legs began showing under their long dresses, revealing that their legs were not, in fact, those of humans, but rather bore a closer resemblance to horses' legs. Terrified, the woman ran out of the party where she found the driver who had picked her up waiting for her. She quickly got into the car and refused to comment when the driver asked her what was wrong due to being too distraught to speak coherently. After a couple of minutes, however, she had calmed down enough to be asked again by the driver. She told him that some of the partygoers did not have human legs, prompting the driver to reply, you mean just like mine, before revealing his legs under his clothes. Like the young girls at the gathering, they were those of an animal. The woman was hysterical with fear at this point, and so threw herself from the car and landed on the street, rendering herself unconscious. The next day, after reporting the bizarre incident, she decided to return to the villa accompanied by the local authorities. However, the villa was gone. It had completely vanished, leaving nothing behind but an empty yard. My grandfather told me this story when I was a teenager. I'm 52 now. My granddad grew up in the woods of central New Brunswick, in a very remote area, where only survivalists go now. Their whole family lived out in the sticks. They lived by hunting, fishing, trapping, and some logging. Granddad said, when he was a teenager, he and his older brother Duke were up in the early hours checking trap lines on an old motorbike. It was early fall. Frost was on the grass and early morning mist still hung around the forest edges. He was rolling cigarettes with his brother, and they were out of matches, so they dipped a bit of cloth in the gas tank and ignited it off the coil wire, while Duke kicked the bike over. The sound of a bike being kicked over without an ignition is sort of like an animal call. That's how my granddad described it. Anyways, just as they started smoking their cigarettes, my grandfather noticed something bounding through the tree line toward them. Granddad said it ran in a way a bear did, but it stopped several yards away from them and stood up on its hind legs. It was still too far away to tell what it was, but they assumed it was a black bear because they are very common in New Brunswick. That's when it began walking upright toward them. As it got nearer, Granddad said it looked like a huge werewolf. His family origin was German, so this was not unknown. It got as close as 20 feet away from them and then began to eye them closely. It sniffed their smokes and then turned and hopped, ran back to the trees. Granddad said they were not scared. He said they were only shocked that such a creature was living in the woods. Granddad said it was taller than any man, had a huge head, evil eyes, long upright ears, hands with long claws, and had hair all over its body. I can't remember what color he said its fur was, but he said it had wolf-like legs. I work as an EMT for an ambulance company. EMS has always been full of superstitions and most of us believe in the supernatural on account of all the crazy gruesome stuff we get to see on any given shift. Every company, every EMT, Every firefighter has a story about the station that is haunted or something that happened to them that can only be explained as paranormal. For the company I work at, we have about five stations, each with their own stories. 
Only one or two truly scary stories, though. Mostly things like employees seeing shadows out of the corner of their eyes, getting uneasy feelings in the stations, or hearing an unexplained knock voice or being hissed or growled at occasionally. The station I work at was no different. The station I work at is our main station, meaning that is where we keep all of our extra resupply. So it is not uncommon for various crews to be going in and out of the station at all hours of the day. It was common knowledge that the ambulance bay was creepy at night, and people report hearing voices, footsteps, or ambulance doors opening and closing out in the garage. Now, I've worked at this station for two years and I've hears these things, but it's always been easy to dismiss this as my partner doing something out in the bay or another crew doing some late-night resupply. The only experience I've had there that I couldn't explain was I was distinctly growled at in the garage late one night. At that time, I quickly realized that the only person in the bay was me, and I certainly didn't growl at myself and quickly left. That was all I ever experienced there, and for the most part felt very comfortable at that station. Until last night. The station is small and consists of a living room with a kitchenette attached to a hallway. This hallway lead to the garage on one side, the bathroom on the other, and at the end of hallway is a door leading to the GR's bedroom, which you can then walk through to get to the SR's bedroom. If you go into the garage, there is a staircase that leads into the attack that stretches above the entire living quarters of the station. Me Jr. and my partner Sr. are dead asleep in our respective bedrooms. All the doors closed. When I am awoken to all these loud banging noises and the wall shaking, I realize that this banging isn't just banging, but actually running. Something huge, heavy and fast is stomping and running around in the attack upstairs. It is stomping and running so loud it is quite literally shaking the walls. Whatever it was must have been huge to have been making sounds this loud. Then it gets faster. It's so fast and loud. It is running across the entire length of the attack. It is moving faster than anything can move. The stomping is happening one right after another. It almost sounded like there were ten people up there, or a creature with too many legs running right above my bed. It's so fast. It's too fast. I'm sitting upright in my bed now, huddled in the corner of the bedroom absolutely horrified. I get this deep, visceral, primal feeling of dread. Almost like what prey must feel like when they are being hunted. And suddenly, it's as if a thought from somewhere else is placed into my mind, and I just know with every fiber of my being that it knows that I am awake and that I know it's there like sick twisted version of that Spider-Man meme. In between the stomping and the running I can hear this barking, whirling sound. It's hard to describe, like a grunt mixed with the sound of wind. It is making this sound as it is running. I realize that it is moving so fast I can hear the wind it is creating swooshing and whipping around it, and it is grunting as it is running. So now I very silently get up and I walk over to the Sir Bedroom door and try to open it but it's locked. I feel as though I can't make a noise or it will come through into the station and kill me. I'm quietly knocking on the door. I'm crying, pleading for my partner to let me in. I'm thinking this is so loud. There's no way she is asleep, but she is. She's out cold and I don't get a response. I decided that my partner had the right idea and I crept over to the GR bedroom door. 
separating my bedroom from the hallway that leads to the garage and the rest of the station and locked the door. So I silently creep back over to my corner in the bed with my blankets and begin to text her. It is 1.45 and I am begging her to wake up over text and describing what I am hearing. She's not answering so I text her fiancé and ask him to call her and wake her up, but he's not answering either. It is at this point I decide to text my mom. As I'm sitting there you get a similar feeling to before, an intense dread, a stark realization of pure truth. It doesn't even feel like my own thought, more like a pace of truth was just slipped to me by the universe. The thing upstairs is not human. I'm explaining to my mom what I am hearing. All these loud swishing wind sounds and stomping and running. Then I hear it run down the stairs. When I tell you my heart stopped and my soul left my body. When I heard coming down the stairs my stomach dropped into my ass and I was nauseous. I genuinely thought I was going to die. I was waiting for it to start pounding on the door, and I had never been more thankful in my life because I thought to have locked it earlier. I was waiting for screaming or the door to start shaking or something. But it never came. It ran impossibly fast and hard back up the stairs. Up the stairs, down the stairs, across the attack, down the attack, above my head in circles, down the stairs, up the stairs, down the stairs, across the attack, down the stairs. It is going all over. Two. Fast. So now I'm absolutely hysterical on the phone with my mom. No one ever prepared me for dealing with being hunted and taunted by a demon. My mom is trying to calm me down. She asks me, what do you want me to do? I didn't know. I don't know what she can do. I don't know what to do. I just whisper, I don't know what to do. Just please don't hang up. She tells me to bang on my partner's door and wake her up, and I do. My partner wakes up and hear rustling in her bedroom and she goes, yeah, in a dismissive voice and slowly walks over to the door and opens it. I literally shoved her back in the room, whipped around faster than I ever moved in my life, closed the door and locked it. I explain to her everything I was hearing and we go and sit on the bed. The activity is dying down now, but it is still active enough for her to hear the running upstairs too. It is now 2.45. Another crew that gets off at 3 got to our station to put their truck away and clock out to go home. Me and my partner huddled together, glued to each other's hips, hurried outside together to meet with them out in the building parking lot. It is at this point that we realize that a completely separate crew from around 23.11 p.m. that night had not only left our truck full of medical equipment and drugs unlocked out in the parking lot in an area known for being a not-so-great area, but also left our garage door open, giving literally just anybody access to our entire station. Me and my partner are terrified and aren't willing to go back into the station at this point. The crew that's getting off at three goes into the station to clock out, and when they come back they see us hanging out in our truck. They joke with us for a minute over the ghost and make fun of us for sleeping in the truck for the rest of the shift. We ask them if they heard anything, and to which the SR on that crew, who has been there for a long time and staunchly believe in the supernatural, says, yeah, it definitely sounds like there is someone walking up there, but he's harmless. Me and my partner are just harmless. That thing is not harmless. 
They leave and we decided to call for PD to make sure that it wasn't some crackhead that had gotten in while the garage door had been left open. PD got there and searched very thoroughly and found no one and no evidence of anyone being there. It is four and we notify our dispatch that station was cleared to be safe by PD and together we venture back inside. We elected to keep the truck in the parking lot so we would have to go back into the garage if we got a call or needed to make a quick escape from the demon. And together we huddle together in the living room with all the lights on until we get off at seven. I heard a few minor bumps and bangs, but nothing crazy. Things that could be dismissed as house noises and whatnot. I barely slept, and I am not looking forward to going back there later this week.